to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if we never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. So it's one, two, three strikes. You're out at the old so good. It's a great time of the year. We're in this series entitled Curveball. A curveball to any baseball player, they understand that a curveball can jack you up in a batter's box. It can make a grown man look like a little kid. Silly can mess you up. You're just not expecting it. And we've been on a journey over the last few weeks talking about life is like that sometimes, is it not? Life can throw us things that we're not expecting curveballs, you might say, that kind of throw us off balance, that can make us look silly. We're just not ready or prepared for it. And what we've been trying to do is encourage you through God's word that, listen, we, we, we all will experience those times of life, things that just happen that we're not planning for. Some of you are experiencing that right now because it's tax season and you thought you might be getting a little like $1.57 back. And gas is like $22 a gallon right now. Come on, anybody, the gas pump cuts off automatically when you're filling up. I don't, I'm like, do I have that much money in my account or is it just a limit on the tank? I don't know, right? Life throws us unexpected things. How will we, we respond when it happens? We've been trying to encourage you with that. We're not immune from these situations in life. And the Bible speaks a great deal about the curveballs of life. Amen. Hey, listen, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions today. When, 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 when someone else's decisions maybe have an adverse effect on you, do you believe that God can still work and turn those things around? Or, or maybe there's been a decision that someone else has made and, and, and it's affected you somehow. I really believe, and I want you to understand something today. God can still get the glory from whatever you're going through right now. Are you with me today? Hallelujah. I hope that you remember those truths as we dive in to God's word today. Amen. Hey, how many of you have a jacked up family? Can I see your hands right now? You sitting next to somebody that's a little off today? Hey, listen, I want to encourage you today because as jacked up as you think your family situation might be, there's a good chance that I'm about to introduce you introduce to you a family situation that makes yours look, oh man, like you're the family of the year. Okay. I love God's word because sometimes we read stories in it about, about people that, that well, they, 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 maybe they went through something a little bit more difficult than what I've gone through. Last week, we looked at Job, right? Job lost his, his, his family. He lost his wealth and his health, all of that stuff, right? We saw that, but yet God blessed him because he patiently endured. But I, I want to give you another situation today that, that might just encourage you about where your family is. We're going to look in the Old Testament in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, and we're going to read about a man by the name of Joseph. Say Joseph. Joseph. We're going to read about Joseph. Joseph's life, we, we read, he's, it's, it's, it's in chapters 30 through 50 of, of the book of Genesis. He's born in chapter 30, and chapter 50 is the final chapter in the book of Genesis. So he kind of closes out this great book, the very first book of the Bible. But I want us to read about Joseph's life today and, and, and just maybe encourage you through, through maybe some family stuff that you might be going through or, or, or maybe a, a situation that just looks bleak and looks hopeless. Is that okay today? Is that, can I encourage you today or do you may beat you up? 
Let's encourage people, right? Listen, this gathering is for broken people to come and be put back together. Amen? That's why the church exists. We're not here to add on, pile on, or make you feel like a turd any worse than you already do, okay? Hopefully today you're going to be encouraged with the word of God. Amen? Let's look at the book of Genesis and read about a man by the name of Joseph. And hopefully what we're going to understand together today is that through our suffering, God is doing a work. He's developing stronger character. Even through our our times of struggle, there there is wisdom that God wants to instill in us that prepares us, check this out, for your next assignment. Look at your neighbor right now and say, hey, God's got a next for you. He's got a next for you. He's not done. And as good as you think things are, might be right now, I'm just telling you, God might be setting you up for something great in your next. Are you with me today? Hallelujah. Let's look in Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to begin reading in verse 3. Jacob, that's Joseph's daddy. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. Now, let's just stop right there. Come on, how many of you parents have favorite kids? You have a favorite, a favorite, right? There's some that you probably wish you could put back in and send back to the, right? But, but listen, listen, I would encourage you something. First of all, as you consider your family, moms and dads, don't play favorites, okay? Don't play favorites. You might have to fake it and put on a big smile. But listen, we find here that if there's anything that we can read from the very beginning of chapter 37 is this thing called favoritism. Whoa, can jack a family up quickly, can it not? Amen. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born into him in his old age. You might say he was the baby. Come on, who's the baby of the family in this house? Who's the older ones that know that the babies always get the most attention, love, and the new shoes and all that good stuff, right? Yeah. You know, the older kids, man, the parents are strict. That first one comes out, and man, you're going you're gonna to lay down the law. You're going to swing the wood when they get in trouble, right? But then when that, that last one comes, you're kind of like, man, I'm too tired. I ain't got time for this. Whatever you want to do, order pizza. Here's my credit card, and just watch Barney. Whatever, you know what I'm saying? And we don't, we don't care. Well, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. And so one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe, or as we learned growing up in Sunday school, a coat of, there you go, you know the story. But his brothers, what? Hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Whoa. Am I describing anybody's family right now? Maybe there's some of that going on. Maybe even this morning as you prepared to get to church and brushing your teeth, one of the best fights of all times broke out in the home, right? No kind words, insults being thrown, whatever. Joseph, beginning in verse six, says that he has a dream and he says to his brothers, I want you to listen to a dream that I've had. We were out in the, in the field and, and we were tying up bundles of grain and suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and they what? They bowed low before mine. Oof. His brothers responded, so you think that you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And, and it says that they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way that he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and he again told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed low before me. 
This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? Just keep that in mind. This is some foreshadowing. Keep in mind, we're going to get to chapter 45, and this is all going to make good sense. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Hey, hey listen, jo- jo- Joseph's he, he's young and he's got a problem here. Listen, it, it, you, you don't need to flaunt and taunt and brag about what you have or what you don't have to your older siblings, okay? You know, and, and, and Joseph doesn't have much wisdom as a young age when he's here in chapter 37. He's just kind of sharing some things that he's received. He's showing about some dreams that he's had. And scripture says that his brothers hated him for it, Right? Jo- Joseph would learn a lesson as we, as we plod through his story here today. He would learn this later in life. He probably should have learned it when he was younger. But listen, it's better to thank God for your gifts and abilities than to brag about them to others. Rewind the tape. It's better for you to thank God for your gifts and abilities than to brag about them to others. Are you with me there? Okay. Joseph is eat up with that. He doesn't understand, but it would make sense to him here in just a few minutes. Verse 19 of chapter 37, his brothers are furious. Remember, they hated him. Remember, they couldn't even say a kind word to him. And here in verse um, uh, 19, it says this. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him. And let's throw him into one of these cisterns. We could tell our father that a wild animal has eaten him. And then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Hey, have you ever been so jealous of someone that you wanted to kill them? That's crazy thought, is it not? And we see here 10 brothers jealous of a younger brother, and they're so eat up with jealousy, they're ready to end his life. Luckily, one of them says, hey, we're not going to kill him. We don't want his blood on our hands. And so they take him and they throw him in a cistern. There was no water in it, kind of a well, a dry well. They throw him in the cistern to get rid of him. Jealousy can cause you to do things and say things that normally, if you're not eat up with it, you wouldn't say about something or someone. Are you with me there? How do you know when jealousy is becoming a problem in your life? Listen, when you begin to compare yourself to other people, And whenever maybe they receive an award or recognition or something special, and you just can't stand that. You need to be careful of that. So what's happening here. It wasn't that just because the brother had a coat of many colors, a beautiful robe, but now he's dreaming a little bit. And man, they just had it up to here. We must put an end to this little punk. He's a brat. Says they throw him in a cistern. They leave him there. It says the story goes on to say that, that, that there were some Midianites traveling through. The brothers are having lunch and they see these Midianites and say, hey, 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 listen. Hey, hey, can we sell you something? And for, it says for 20 shekels of silver, 20 pieces of silver, they sell their brother Joseph. They pull him up out of that cistern. They sell him to these Midianites who are headed off and eventually end up in Egypt. Reminds me of someone else later on in the New Testament that we would read about that was sold for 30 pieces of silver who was stripped of his clothing and who was mocked and made fun of and despised and who ultimately became a slave for, well, for my sin and your sin. Jesus Christ himself. (laughs) 
That's where Joseph finds himself now. These Midianites buy him. He becomes their slave. They shackle him and, 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 and on foot, probably for 30 days, he travels through the desert towards Egypt with this traveling band of Midianites. Once they arrive there, of course, they sell him to a man, as the story goes on to say, a man by the name of Potiphar buys this slave as was prominent back in those days that the rich and wealthy had people that served in their home, that, that, that took care of things and greeted guests and washed the feet and, and all of those types of things. And so now Joseph, this one who was the favorite of his father, this coat of many colors, a dreamer, he's been sold by his brothers. He's a slave. He now finds himself deposited in Pharaoh's house. But I love what chapter 39, verse 2 says. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. And I just want to stop right there, and I'm going to say this several times in the rest of our time together today. I want you to know that even in your worst situation, when you feel the loneliest, when you feel like your life is over with, there's been a curveball that's thrown at you that you just don't feel like you'll ever survive from. I want you to remember these words, that the Lord is with you. He's with you. He's with Joseph. The Lord is with Joseph, it says. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the house of his Egyptian master. The Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord blessed him. Pharaoh begins to take notice of that and begins to give him more responsibilities and basically lets him have run of the mill, run of the house. You're, you can do whatever you want to do with the exception of <laughs> you can't mess with my wife. Of course, Joseph wasn't interested in that, but she know, we know that she was interested in him. And you know, if you've read the story, how it goes, that Potiphar's wife begins to seduce and try to allure Joseph into having relations with her. Of course, Joseph, a man of God, he flees that temptation and he runs from it. That's a great point for us to consider today. Listen, the enemy knows your weaknesses, does he not? He knows those areas in which you're vulnerable. And check this out. Those are the areas in life that he oftentimes tries to attack. You have a problem with money, you love it, he's gonna attack that somehow and try to lure you that. You have a problem with your eyes and lust and all that, he's gonna attack that, right? He knows your weak spots, we read here in, in this story with Joseph that Potiphar's wife begins to try, and Joseph doesn't just try to avoid the situation. Avoiding is good. If you know of an area that is a weak spot for you, you should avoid that. But listen, you might need to run the opposite direction as we read about our boy Joseph here. Don't just, don't just feel like I can handle this. I'm strong enough. I've got willpower. I'm telling you, it will crack and you will fall. Joseph ran from the situation. Of course, Potiphar's wife wasn't pleased with that. Who turns me down? So she falsely accuses him. We know that Joseph finds himself in prison. It says in, in chapter 39, they, they took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. But here it is again. But the Lord was with Joseph in that prison. And he showed him his faithful love. I love that word faithful. You see, that's going to be Joseph's secret sauce throughout this story that we're going to look at. He remained faithful to God. 
And because of that, we're going to ultimately see a man pulled from the pit to the palace. The Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Mm. Story goes on to say that that, that while Joseph is in prison, he's found favor with the warden there and, and people that the, 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 the king's baker and cupbearer begin to have some dreams that they don't understand. But Joseph is able to interpret their dreams for them. For one, it was not so good. If you read the story, you'll find out what I mean. But for the other, he, 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 Joseph's interpretation of the dream meant something to him. And, and he said, hey, listen, I, I'm going to remember you and get you out of this mess. Two years would go by (laughs) in prison until he was delivered from that mess. Joseph was probably 17 years old when his brothers threw him in the cistern that day. And he would spend the next 13 years of his life as a slave and a prisoner. Again, I don't know how bleak and how dismal your situation is, But I'm trying to paint a picture for you here today of God's faithfulness in the midst of those times in Joseph's life. Not only did that baker and cupbearer have a dream, but Pharaoh himself had a dream and was struggling with the interpretation of it. And finally, two years later, that cupbearer, oh yeah, he remembers. (laughs) Hey, I remember this young man, this prisoner, this slave that we brought, he he is able to interpret dreams. So they bring Joseph into Pharaoh and Joseph is able to interpret the dream and begins to share with Pharaoh that, hey, there's going to be seven years of, of a great harvest of grain that will come. But you need to understand that there's going to be seven years of famine as well. Joseph begins to share this dream uh, to Pharaoh about, you know, uh, cows, skinny and fat and grain and all of this stuff. And, and it makes sense to Pharaoh. And, 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 and Pharaoh responds favorably to the interpretation. He's so thankful that Joseph was able to interpret. And, and he finds favor with this prisoner. In fact, in chapter 41, beginning in verse 38, it says, Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously, obviously filled with the spirit of God. Keep that phrase in mind. Pharaoh, this man is obviously, he says, filled with the spirit of God. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God's revealed the the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You're gonna be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne will have a rank higher than yours. Are you kidding me? From the pit to the palace, from being sold as bad as you think your family situation is. You ever sold a kid brother? You ever thrown them out, left them? The, the brothers, remember, took his robe, by the way, and they dipped it in animal's blood and took it to daddy Jacob, say, look, you're Son that you love, sorry, daddy's been devoured by animals, right? Suddenly your family doesn't look so bad, does it? I'm not trying to make light of the situations, I'm not, but, but that's hopefully painting a picture for you that what seems hopeless, what seems too far, mm, wow, God is able to work in those moments, right? 
I, I, I love this verse here in chapter 41 about Pharaoh talking about being filled with the Spirit of God. Listen, you, you may never find yourself interpreting dreams from a king, but can I ask you a question today? Would those closest to you see you as a person in whom the Spirit of God dwells? It's a scary thought, isn't it? Not scary, but it's an overwhelming thought. Would, would, would people closest to me, hey, Dad, would, you, would your family, <clears throat> your kids and your spouse, do they, do they look up to you and see you as, you know what, listen, my dad is definitely filled with the Spirit of God. <clears throat> Not perfect. Joseph wasn't perfect, but yet Pharaoh even understood there's something, there's an anointing, there's a thumbprint on him that I can't explain, except it must be from God himself. Would you be confused as someone who's filled with the Spirit of God. Wow. I, I, I also love that, that this is a reminder that, that, that this, this, this young boy finds himself in the worst of situations, a family that doesn't want him, brothers that have left him to die, now finds himself in bondage, only to be elevated to the second highest role in the land. Come on, somebody. What you see as a setback, God sees as a set up. And he might just be preparing you in this season of difficulty and struggle that you're in for that, remember what I said, that next assignment that he has for you. You see, I believe that God's got something in store for every one of us listening here today. He wants to bless. He wants to use. And we can't even wrap our minds around it. I don't think Joseph in a cistern thought that he would be number two in Egypt. But now he's the one that's in charge. Well, we know that that dream that he shared with Pharaoh, we know that there is seven years of a great harvest, but then famine hits the land. And remember, Joseph has been placed in charge. At chapter 42, Joseph was the governor of all of Egypt, and he was in charge of selling the grain to all the people. It was to him, uh-oh, that his brothers came. Yeah, famine hit the whole land. And so people would travel, and they needed grain. Remember, Joseph had shared that, and so they had been storing up. They had stored up so much grain, overflowing and now his brothers find themselves hungry and they come. When they arrived, what does the scripture say? They what? They what? Remember the very thing that got him in trouble? It wasn't just a beautiful robe, but it was these big dreams of his too. Who, you're telling us that we will bow before you? Whoa, God is faithful. <laughs> God is faithful says that the brothers came and they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. Verse 8 says, although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. And he remembered the dreams that he had about them many years before. Joseph has grown in the 13 years of being a slave and a prisoner. Whereas at the age of 17, he would have flaunted or taunted and probably said, listen, I told you guys, I told you that, that you would bow before me. He doesn't do that at the age of 30. But he exercises a gift that maybe some of us need, this gift of remaining quiet. 
You see, sometimes it's best to remain quiet even when we would like to have the last word. Little insight into me growing up as a kid. Uh, I, I wasn't perfect. Neither were you. Quit laughing and thinking, I can't believe you're the pastor. No, you were jacked up too, right? Here's the thing that I remember getting in trouble most as a kid. It was talking back to my parents. Anybody relate to that? I, I just always felt like I had to have the last word or somehow I had to explain my situation or my reasoning for the action or the decision that I had made, right? Right? And I don't, don't you talk back to me, boy. I get that all the time, right? My wife still uses that against me oftentimes. I've tried, I'm still not there. I'm a work in progress, right? But dad, don't you talk back to me. But mom, let's listen. I'm just, now you're talking back to me. Wham, wham, wham. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but we know that ultimately it's good. My daddy's name tattooed across my backside, Ernie, right? I'm not condoning you go and whip your kids. I'm just telling you for me, I needed that, amen? But I would talk back. Feel like I had to have the last word. It's a great reminder for me in this story of Joseph that, that Joseph remained quiet when his brothers came and bowed down. Matt, he could have said, I told you guys, you should have listened to me as a teenager. You should have listened to me. You might not have been in so much trouble now, but he doesn't hold that over their head. In fact, if you fast forward, you, you, what you're going to find is in, in 42, Joseph gives his brother the grain brothers the grain that they need and sends them back on their, on their way home. And they try to pay him. What Joseph does is he puts their money and everything that they, he puts it back in their grain bags and sends them back home. He didn't even take their money for it, right? But this was only year two of the famine. Remember how many years the famine was going to take over? Seven. And so what happens when you've got 10 boys at home? Anybody know? They eat a lot and they ran out of grain quickly, right? So guess what? They have to go back and get more food. They got to go back to H-E-B or Walmarts or wherever you shop, Targets or whatever, right? They have to go back and get more grain. They've got to go back. Now, keep in mind, Joseph has not played his cards in 42 of, of Genesis, but they come back and in chapter 45, he has a Popeye moment. That's all I can stands. I can't stands no more. And he reveals to his brothers his identity. Verse three, he says to them, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. And look what the first question is. Is my father still alive? His brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing in front of them. Come on, we left him in the pit. The Midianites took him. Are you kidding me? We have, they never thought they would face him again. And here they are, round two on a grain uh, shopping spree, you might say. They can't believe that Joseph's standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said to them again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. Now I wanted you to see something right here. Don't get upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. I, I don't know about you guys, but what stands out to me in those few verses is the word 
forgiveness. Jo- jo- Joseph had every right to, to hold what his brothers did over their heads, did he not? He, he, he could have stuck it to them. He, he could have said, listen, I already gave you some grain. What do you mean? Should I give you more after what you've done to me? Jesus would say something like this later on in his teaching. If someone hits you on the cheek, turn the other one and let them do the same. What we see here is an incredible story of forgiveness. Are you with me here? And Joseph tells his brothers, don't be angry. Do not be upset over what you have done to me. Joseph needed to issue those words, I believe, to set him free as well. You see, that's oftentimes when it comes to forgiveness. When we forgive someone, listen, whether they believe that they should be forgiven or not, listen, it releases us, does it not? And some of us are carrying something around that maybe we need to release someone. We are enslaved to someone. And maybe us just offering forgiveness to someone that's wronged us, maybe that will bring the freedom that some of you might be seeking in your lives today. Forgiveness oftentimes does its greatest work in the forgiver than the one who's been forgiven. Amen? Maybe you need that in your lives today. I love that reminder that Joseph didn't hold that over their heads, and he forgave them. In fact, the story goes on to say that not only did he forgive them, but he sent them back, said, I want you to go get dad, and I want you to get ever the family, and I want you to bring them. There's still five years of famine ahead, and I want everybody to move to Egypt so that I can take care of you. Wow. Wow. How awesome is that type of forgiveness? The key verse for me is in chapter 50. I'm going to close with this one, verse 20. Joseph says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Wow. Is that not good? Joseph says, you intended But God had a different plan. Come on, somebody. You need to know that God can override people's evil intentions to bring about his intended results. Remember how I started with you today? That even when someone makes a bad decision and has an effect on your life, God can still turn it around for good. He can do that in your life. Or maybe you've made a poor decision. God still can work in your situation for his glory. Are you with me today? You see, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around in Joseph's life for good. Reminds me of another passage of scripture in the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that says that very thing. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You you, you remember I used the word faithful in Joseph's story. You see, that's Joseph's secret sauce in in Genesis chapter 30 through 50. Joseph remained faithful. He wasn't always perfect. He bragged. He was cocky. He was arrogant. But in the midst of 
his life, God did a work in him, developed his character, and instilled some deep wisdom that he would need as he would begin to lead and make future decisions. I'm telling you, God was preparing him for that next assignment. And I just can't help but think that for someone listening here today, that you might be going through a difficulty right now. But don't miss this. God might be setting you up for that next assignment. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this season. And I know that for 13 years for Joseph, he could have cashed it in. He could have just said, hey, would y'all just take my life? I'm done, right? Job that we looked at last week, Job could have said the same thing. But yet for 40 chapters, we find Job going through the worst of the worst, but he also endured patiently and God elevated him and blessed him with more. Hey, listen, someone going through difficulty, hang on. Don't give up. Don't you throw in the towel. It's easy. Believe me. I've wanted to, but don't do it because there's a next for you. And in God's way and in his season and in his timing, I'm telling you, he's going to pull you from the pit to the palace. He will do it. Do you believe that? He will do it. And don't you worry about what the enemy's throwing at you. Don't you worry about other people's intentions. You be faithful because he is faithful. That word faith means this, that he is who he says he is. And he will do what he says he will do. God has promised I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's promised to bless and prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. To those who are called according to his purpose, come on, he's going to turn it for good. Come on, somebody. You take what the enemy meant for evil, Ray, and you turn it for good. Would you stand with me today? Ministry team, go ahead and come on down because some people need some loving on today. I want you to know that our team stands here today ready to love on you and encourage you. You just bow your head and close your eyes and just hang in there with me for just a second. God's not done with you. Don't you throw in the towel. Don't you feel like your situation is too hopeless? I hope that through the life of a man by the name of Joseph who found himself with a family that didn't want him and found himself in the pit, telling you he remained faithful. God was with him and I'm telling you he's with you as well. He's with you in this season of difficulty. He's with you in this season of confusion. He's with you in this season of loneliness and hopelessness. He's in your despair. Hey, you anxious or worried about something? He's with you. He's with you. And I want you to know today that he's not going to leave you. He's faithful. And I want to encourage you to remain faithful as well. So, Father, I'm praying today for an individual in this room that just needs a word of encouragement. Maybe right now, as some are already moving to the front, they just need a word of encouragement and love and prayer from our team down front. God, I pray that. God, I pray that, 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 that they would not give up hope, that they would not throw in the towel, that they wouldn't cash it in, God. 
Because God, I believe that you're not finished with them. And I know it looks ugly. I know it looks dark. I know it may look hopeless. We're wondering when is the fog going to clear? When's the sun going to shine? Come on, God, I know it looks bad, but I pray today that they would understand that you are still God. You're still there. You're still in control. And no matter what the intentions are of the enemy, God, you're able to turn it around and use it for your glory and our good. So God, that's my prayer for us today, that we would not give up hope and that we would trust in you, God. You've done it before and I believe you'll do it again. (laughs) I've seen you move. You move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again. (laughs) You made a way where there was no way And I believe that you'll do it again. Come on, if you believe that, let me hear you clap for Jesus right now. Come on, somebody. Let's give him glory. Let's give him honor. Let's give him praise. He's not finished with you. From the pit to the palace. May God bless you as you leave this place. And listen, there may be a curveball this week. You keep your eyes on heaven and you trust him. You be faithful because the one who's faithful will not let you down. You're dismissed. Thank you.